Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Gridiron Show. Taping this on a Friday. And I'm joined on the line by Nicholas McGee from Stats Perform. Nicholas, how are you? I'm very well, How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, the point of this second in the week podcast, originally the bonus podcast, as we we're calling it, was to be a bonus, was to throughout the off season, dig into really granular, super nerdy stuff. Three high safety sets, three man fronts in college football. What's happening there? And then every single time I, I try to pinpoint a guest and say, what should we discuss this week? Some crazy news happens. So this second show of the week is going to be like last week, running through some of the, the news and notes from around the league as we get into the new league year. And last night, a wild move happens where the Packers trade Devontae Adams. They managed somehow to convince Aaron Rodgers to sign the deal, not just agree to the deal. He signs the deal. Then they say, okay, we're going to trade your best friend, his real best friend, Derek Carr over in Vegas for to 2022 draft picks we can get into some of the the granular stuff as we work through this conversation but what what was your first thought when it came across i i did not have any whiff of this because i really felt if adams went it would be the package deal it would be rogers would sign a cap friendly deal somewhere else renegotiate his contract and they'll be able to squeeze a way to do adams to denver or if it was vegas or somewhere like that i did not think when they were doing the last dance stuff last year that they were like no really we might just go our separate ways and i'll head off to vegas (laughs) My first thought was he has to have signed off on this, otherwise this is going to be an apocalyptic event for probably overusing it in current times. But for the, for the Packers, if he's not signing off on this, then that then Pat McAfee will get monster ratings on Tuesday because there's no way. Obviously, that Rogers would have would have um, accepted an Adams deal elsewhere without knowing otherwise. And yeah, just com- just complete shock and no whiff of his coming. Was quite happily just watching draft prospects and faffing around with mock draft simulators and then my phone starts going berserk. And um, yeah, uh, <laughs> another blow to an NFC team and an NFC that seems to be getting weaker and weaker. It's a bit crazy because the Ian Rappaport report last night and then Rob Domofsky from ESPN was like, not only was Rogers aware and cool with it, in fact, the Packers offer was more substantial than the five-year gajillion dollar deal that the Mark Davis somehow discovered. I love to point this out every time I do any kind of podcast about Mark Davis because a lot of people aren't aware of this. Mark Davis has no money. His bank account is yeah. like 20 grand. He, yeah. He's not a wealthy yeah. man. So I don't know where he discovered the gajillion dollars to Andrew Chandler Jones and signing bonus yeah. and then to find it for Devontae Adams must be leveraged to the hilt. Who knows? Um, but I, the, the, the claim from Domofsky is that the Packers actually offered a more substantial deal than what the Raiders offered. And Adam's just like, no, I want to go play with my friend, Derek Carr. And now you get all the classic stuff around Aaron Rodgers that everybody wants to leave in every walk of life, yeah. by the way. And then, I don't know, Michael Finley and Greg Jennings and the guys got to be rubbing their hands today to get the phone call from every radio show so they can do their, their annual round of this guy's a douchebag. I, it's just, It's just perplexing to me. 
I don't know why you would want to go and play in the AFC West as a receiver with Derek Carr and leave Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I was trying to, um, my young brother's a Packers fan, I was trying to counsel him uh, late last night as the phone was blowing up. Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't speak very highly of Aaron Rodgers, like you say, um, where he just wanted to get away from the situation. Maybe there's a bit of long-term thinking there. Carr and Adams are both a bit younger than Rodgers, so you're thinking, how many years this guy got left? We keep losing in the playoffs. I mean, I doubt he even gets to the playoffs in the AFC West, but we can probably touch on that later, but... And it seems like it was telegraphed as well, because um, I think I saw Nate Tyson in Athletics saw that he, two weeks ago Adams had bought a house in Vegas for about $12 million. He said in his tweet, I knew this meant something, and he, it turns out he was right. So whether he just wants that, that Vegas life with his best friend and to get probably more opportunities long-term than he will do in Green Bay, because as it already has, eventually you're going to have to start paying the bill for stretching the salary cap to its limits to keep Rodgers around. So maybe he's seen the ride on the wall long-term and decided... I'll go play my mate. Well, this is the other thing, right? With what you were talking about there with the salary cap is we were led to believe over two years since the Jordan Love draft pick that Aaron Rodgers was in sense and he wanted to work with management and to find creative ways to do the Brady thing, which is on the way out the door, you know, put me on the craft shell company and find a way to get me $20 million off the books. And instead it just seems like Aaron Rodgers wanted to get the bag. He was like, give me $50 million a year and I'm not going anywhere. I've got a house and a home here. And I just want as much money as possible for as long as possible. And this is a team now that has basically said our window is these three years of the last part of Rodgers with that fourth year, we'll keep kicking, you know, the cap into that and he probably won't play then. And we'll roll it year to year but they're now really hamstrung. I mean, it it is one of those strange things where he is one of the guys who gets the most excuses provided to him from certainly a national perspective. And yet when you looked at the last few years, you've had the best left tackle in the league, one of the best offensive lines for a decade. He had the best receiver in the league, um, had one of the best creative minds coaching him for the last uh, three seasons. And now it's in a situation where I I I was led to believe that he was going to work with management to create more room. And now it seems like really the the honest answer was just give me all the money and we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah, I mean, it's a real vote of confidence in himself, really. I mean, (laughs) obviously, I mean, get your money while you can. He's obviously seen the the light of... Uh, Kirk Cousins and thought I want I want some of that I want to make as much money as I can <laughs> regardless of results but this is a guy who obviously um, has quite a lot of self-confidence that you can elevate anybody around him so I guess he's thought well financially this isn't going to work if we're going to keep, if we keep stringing along trying to push the Adams thing trying to keep, trying to, there's stuff I can stretch the bank balance is what I'm trying to say so I remember he's, he's accepted that and thought I think we could get two rookies in here to go with whatever other receivers we can patch together Maybe they get Odell, that seems unlikely. Maybe they get Julio Jones in. I can elevate, elevate those guys and get us to a championship. So maybe it's money thing and partially it's a classic Aaron Rodgers ego thing, which he clearly has. It's a bit mad too because I, I saw a report, another one from always the great after a trade happens, all the B writers, all the information disseminates from the text chains. And it's like, you have to slam everyone on the way out the door. It has to be everyone else's fault other than the decision maker. And they were saying basically they did not want to have on their cap sheet Aaron Rodgers plus Devontae Adams making $80 million. They didn't think that was mm-hmm. an efficient way of using money because someone stubs their toe and all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a, a real bad problem. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm watching going, did the front office watch this team for the last two years? They've tailored a system that is exclusively about the yeah. connection between Aaron Rodgers and yeah. Devontae Adams. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you now, Devontae Adams had 177 receptions last season. What do you think this, oh, 177 targets, should I say, what do you think was the second highest target total 
on the Green Bay Packers last year? Uh, I assume it would be Lazard, but no, like 40? <laughs> 40 is very low, but yes, it was Aaron Jones at 74, <laughs> and that's a running 74. back. And then it was Lazard at 60, which means Adams was 60. targeted 170 more times than any other Green Bay receiver. And if you watch that that Packers offense, I have no idea now how they're going to evolve this thing because they yeah. did really creative stuff with the run game, really interesting stuff with four-by-one sets and quad looks. And they did a lot of stuff where they would conceal Devontae Adams mm-hmm. in the route combination where it was impossible to essentially double him because they would just swamp coverage with routes and kind of free Adams that mm-hmm. way through play design, really creative stuff. But the other side of the thing was they just said, let's get the ball to our best player. And they would run bubbles yeah. and smoke screens and it would just be pick it up and throw it to that guy. And we'll put him on the backside of the formation. We'll just toss the ball to him. So it was yeah. all about either hiding Adams within the route combination or just throwing it to him one-on-one in space and making it a punt return. So mm. where do we go from here then? Because as you mentioned there, the options are right. You go and get a Chris Olave in the draft. What are the chances he walked in day one as a rookie as Devontae Adams? Not going to happen, no matter how good he is, and I like him a lot. Odell, Landry, Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Julio Jones. I mean, you're going to have to try and recreate this in the aggregate, right, and go and get three or four yeah. guys, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they have to attack it on multiple fronts. I'd have to think they get at least... I mean, they've, st- they've still got Valdez Scandling out there in free agency. He's a lot of interest. Maybe they bring him back. Yeah, so there has to be a, a thought. You've got to get your, your ball winner. You've got to get a deep guy, whether that's MBS, whether that's somebody else, whether it's Will Fuller, and you've got to get somebody in the draft as well. You have to wonder, I mean, this, this thought came to me now, whether they saw the divisional round game where they had D'Amico Ryans find a way to double Devontae Adams, and they thought, is this, is this worth it? Because eventually teams are going to find ways to combat all these, these combinations that you, you've got into then. Is this worth paying him this level of money when he's out to keep him as our offense when teams are eventually going to figure it out like the Niners did in the playoffs? That's the thing to me, though. It's like I I understand that thought process, but it's like really the option there is not to remove the best player in the league. (laughs) It's to say, (laughs) let's go get two other guys and maybe we just become the team who says, you know, Devondre Campbell, unbelievable season. We got to let you walk and we'll go and get Jarvis Landry. And that trade-off is not, you know, one is a significantly worse player at the stage of his career than the other one, Mm -hmm. but how it would elevate the whole side of, you know, one side of the ball, we think that's a a trade-off worth making. So I just... It, the, to me, that there's no way they can justify it as a, you know, making us better somehow outside mm. of if they go and land, like you said, Julio, when he goes and visits Peyton's doctor in Denver, you know, I mean, he's been bad now for two seasons. If they yeah. do hit on Alave or they go and get Sky Moore and that guy, and, you know, there's a rookie who's magically one of the six, seven best receivers in the league. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I really don't understand how they're going to patchwork this thing together now. Yeah, I mean, it's arguably never been easier for rookies to come in and hit. You've seen Chase, you've seen Jefferson, you've seen various other names, but the odds, like you said, the odds of the larvae being Devontae Adams, as much as a fast receiver who runs good routes, is is, is pretty slim. Yeah, and they're, they're unquestionably worse. And it, uh, to your point, there's definitely a positional value thing here. Why value an off-ball linebacker at five years, 50 million, whatever you got to sacrifice Devontae Adams? It doesn't make a great deal of sense. And, and to me, it's just that, that last point is that thing of the doing it year to year. It would make sense if they were working on a 10-year timeline and they were doing the Jordan Love thing. That, that this is a year-to-year team now. It's championship or bust every yeah. year. They're legacy on the line every year. They have no idea if by week eight, Aaron Rodgers is going to walk out the door and say, I'm never coming back. Like that, This is all in play with him, right? Yeah. We have no idea yeah. anymore. Why you wouldn't just find a way to manipulate the cap, I guess, based on what they're saying. He, Devante didn't want to know that they, they did yeah. find a way yeah. on their cap yeah. sheet and he just, he just wanted out. So it's a very, very peculiar one. And just completely, I mean, 
the mismanagement the last two seasons from the love the, the love draft pick has essentially cost them any leverage over their quarterback, ruined their cap sheet and cost them the best receiver from the league. That That is what has happened to them off that one yeah. draft pick of trying to outthink the room. Yeah, and for a quarterback who was not coming off his best season at the time into the draft, so his, his <laughs> best season was the year before when he actually yeah. looked like a passable, a passable NFL prospect. And that, yeah, it just didn't, it, the whole kind of, the, where's the plan? Where's the, the kind of cohesion and the plan? It just doesn't, doesn't seem to be there. So over in Vegas, from their perspective, then, as we said before, that they can try to refashion the team. Now, um, Josh McDaniels comes in. They make this giant trade. Immediately, you see how all the pieces fit together with Devontae as your one. You kick Hunter Renfro down. They've got Edwards as the deep threat, Darren Waller as the matchup piece. And it's like, wow, that's a really impressive foursome. Derek Carr, we know, can sling it. And yet still, they might be the fourth best team in their own division. They probably are. It's really <laughs> tight, you know, but it's... <clears throat> They're probably still the fourth best team in the division. Yeah, um, and it's all it's all on Derek Carr. It's uh, he, he's probably been better than he's given been, good, been given credit for for the last two seasons. But he's it's, it's time to deliver. Essentially, you've got you've got the best receiver. You've got the third down god Hunter, Hunter Renfro. We got Waller. You can you can line up anywhere and you can make things happen. And a potentially big big play ball winner in Brian, Brian Edwards and a great running back in Josh Jacobs. It's, it's it's all on him to make that happen and can show that he can elevate above these these absolutely stacked teams in his own division. It's going to be epic to watch and it's going to be a lot of AFC West in prime time. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm fascinated to see what they do with that offensive line because a lot of those pieces are just frankly terrible. They, they've shown no mm-hmm. development. It's the hangover from the the Gruden Mayock days when they were chasing these traitsy guys and then didn't realize they couldn't coach them. And then McDaniels, when he came over from New England, I mean, every single person came with him. It's remarkable yeah. how many of them just bolted Foxborough immediately. I mean, every assistant coach, the offensive line coach, he was able to bring all of his guys in and they have been excellent in New England for years and years and years. And I know mm-hmm. Skarnecki gets all the credit, but since Skarnecki left, they've also shown an ability to develop these guys. So yeah. maybe they can squeeze, what, 5%, 10% more out of the offensive line. They know now they can target that in the draft right. It is a loaded offensive line class. And maybe they can look at Lyle Collins. Like, they still have moves to make. They still have cap room. They still have draft picks. I know they've lost the first round pick, but the, as I said, the line class is loaded through that second day. If they can make one more move, then there's no reason why they couldn't be as explosive as any offense in that division, as good as that division is. Absolutely. And the thing of acquiring a player like Adam as well, who can win so quickly at the start of his route, is it gives you the opportunity to get the ball out quickly and kind of mitigate any struggles that your offensive line has. So, it, yeah, if they can make one more move and the that Fresno State connection is still live after how many, how many years it's been, then, yeah, this could be a really, really explosive offense. The only issue I can see is Devontae doesn't really play to that Josh McDaniel style. He's never been a timing guy as efficient as he is as a route runner. It's just kind of, I will get open on my own schedule and Aaron will find me. And, or as we mentioned before, flash your hand signal, the ball's being popped out in a second and, you know, let him go and have a punt return. So I I do wonder, will McDaniels be willing to take some of the LaFleur stuff where it's less timing centric? It's a, it's a bit more freelancer E though. It's kind of baked into the system, whether or not, you know, McDaniels has this great reputation as being adaptable, right? Is that he'll run the triple Mm -hmm. option with Cam Newton one year, but then he'll move all the way back to the old style 2011 offense with two tight ends Mm -hmm. the following season. That is the only question mark I have. When you write it down on paper, the pieces look so perfect fitting together. And as good as McDaniels is, my only question is, will he try 
and still stamp on some of the Patriots stuff where I think the system just works better of let Derek Carr drop back 50 times a game, let Hunter Renfro get open, let him rip it. That, that to me is the way I would I would run that setup. Yeah, there has to be some kind of fungibility on his part to be, to be able to make those changes. And that's kind of a, a test of him going back into coaching um, following his spell in Denver uh, over a decade ago is that he wasn't, he was kind of my way, or high, my way or the highway kind of guy. So he has to kind of, now he's got this player who isn't a perfect kind of fit for what he does. He's, is he willing to show that to have that adaptability and that flexibility? Now he's matured as a coach. And I, th- I think based on what you've heard, all the changes we've seen in New England, this, the evidence suggests he probably will be. What do you make of them defensively? This is the fascinating thing. We'll let, we'll run through some of the AFC stuff now. I'm just going to read out some names just for the fun of it because this is wild. This is the last week of AFC editions. So these people are now in the AFC. Everyone put their hard hat on. It runs eight deep, I think, now with legit championship contenders. You know, Baltimore just sleeping out there that if they diversify the passing game and whatnot, new look defense and Lamar back to his best, and all of a sudden you wouldn't be stunned to see them in the AFC title game. The AFC now has Russell Wilson, Randy Gregory, DJ Jones, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones, Justin Reed, Von Miller, Devontae Adams. Zadarius Smith was there. He, he backed out of his Ravens deal for some reason that I can't quite figure out. Um, who knows where he lands? Probably will be one of those AFC West teams being like, good God, we need another pass rusher. Let's find some money under the sofa. Um the Raiders' defense is fascinating to me because they were so bad last year and so predictable, and they tried to hide everything with a pass rush that wasn't as effective as I, I think people are led to believe because Max Crosby was so dominant. I think he kind of paved over the cracks of how effective they actually were. They finished 27th in adjusted pass rate, uh, sack rate sorry, by the end of the season, which is pretty terrible, um, even though it is a good division. They were so bland, so generic defensively, and they, they basically said when uh, Josh McDaniels came in, get Gus Bradley out of here, Go and get me Patrick Graham. That is a guy who is really variable. And they do that two-for-one swap deal, which is trade Yannick and Gokwe for Rocky Sin and sign Chandler Jones. And so you can kind of think of it as, you know, two contracts for the price of an Ngokwe. I really like the different energy they're trying to bring to them defensively, that they're trying to be a bit more variable. What do you make of some of their defensive changes? Yeah, I'm, I'm really quite impressed with what they've done overall. Um Chandler Jones may not be the same level of player that he once was, but he's. I think he's definitely not better than what Yannick Ngokwe was last year. I don't think it was a great season for him. It was te- it was it was ten sacks, but I don't think his his win rates were particularly impressive. Um, and Jones again again the double digit sack season after coming back off of injury. So he, I think he'll he's an upgrade there across from Crosby. That's a nice duo. Um, and then I think the underrated bit of that is uh, the Yasin trade. I think he. Coming off his one of his best, his best season of his career in Indianapolis, and getting him for a player in Ngakwe that if very swiftly replaced and probably had another added a better player there. I think it's tough not to be impressed with what they've done. And yeah, this is a markedly better football team than what it was what it was a few days ago. I think. And the sneaky thing about Yannick Ngakwe, let's whisper this so people don't find out, he's an off the bus player. Yannick Ngokwe looks terrifying, is terrifying, mm. but he plays about seven games a year. I don't care how many times they list him on the depth chart. He only really turns up for about seven and he's a complete freak in those seven. And I think it was the first seven games of last year. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to go and get my bag in the off season somewhere else. So he just kind of said, yeah, I'm out. When all the nonsense went down and that locker room rallied together, he was the one who was like, I'm good. Uh, so I, I, he's a terrifying player to line up across from, but he just does not bring it the same way. Chandler Jones is bringing it every single snap. Now, he, as you said, his his players decline, the injuries, the bias of injuries, and his 
his uh, his production has been pretty clustered, to be fair, if I'm going to take a shot at Ngakwe. But he definitely brings it on every snap, and he's like become a terrible run defender, yet he still wants to run through people's faces. And that's just the kind of energy you need when you're trying yeah. to build out a defense, is don't get me the guy who's taking plays off. Get me the guy who might do bad stuff, but will at least run through someone's face. Um, so yeah. I, I really like what they've done. But who is the, the team in the AFC? I guess Denver, right? Who's jumped for you from fringe maybe possibly tied to contenders now you think can really push the chiefs the bills i would probably lean towards the Chargers, which is probably a little bit um chalky and that everybody loves the Chargers. um yeah i just i i love everything they've done in in free agency obviously joseph day was the most telegraph signing of all time um yeah yeah and a run defender they desperately need jc jackson not a, not a perfect fit for that defense but you definitely like to think run the stay would would adapt him to his system obviously he's played, he's played a lot of man but and um, so they may well play play more man this year I mean, particularly when they've got the uh the two passers up front with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa maybe there's some more blitzes potentially um yeah I just think the the changes to that defense will make it significantly better and I'm a huge obviously everybody's a huge Justin Herbert guy you get Mike Williams back <laughs> yeah I think they're, they're set they're set up and I'm not the I'm still a little bit low low on Denver than perhaps most people be um We've seen Russell Wilson try to play in kind of a Shanahan McVay offense in Seattle, and it kind of went a bit weird. With um, <laughs> yeah. I, don't know, I, forget, I forget the offensive coordinator's name now. Uh, Shane Waldron. One Shane of the, one of the all-time it. great film watching experiences. Where week one you're like, this is interesting, and they're doing all the motion yeah. and shifting and unbalanced lines, and then the second week yeah. Russell Wilson was like, "Fuck all of that. We're going back to what <laughs> I run. This is the Russell Wilson offense." They have yeah. tried. Every coordinator on the planet, every name, you know, every second name that matters in the league, even though those guys get made fun of, the Bevels, the Schottenheimers, they said, oh, let's go be new age and get a McVay guy. And the offense is the exact same every single season. Yeah. Because it's yeah. what Russell Wilson offense. Yeah. 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 So I think there might, there might be some some growing pains there, potentially. And they, had, they weren't great past, uh, rushing the past last season, which is obviously why I'm going to go Randy, Randy Gregory. They were... They were in the bottom league in town team collective win rate. Um, yeah, and it's a lot of pressure to put on Randy Gregory, who's coming out of his comfort zone in Dallas, who's aware of his kind of off the field problems. Hopefully, he can still, that's, he's still staying on the right track in, in Denver. And the other addition there is DJ, is DJ Jones, and you won't find a bigger member of the DJ Jones fan club than me, but and he, he's a better pass rusher than people give him credit for, but that is not his game. So there's still some questions for me there up front in a, in a division where you're going to have to you're going to pressure the quarterback. So I'm not as high on Denver as some maybe some of the people are after the Wilson trade. So it's it's the Chargers for me. Yeah, the Wilson that dynamic together. I wrote about this a little last week on the read optional, which I think I plugged last week. But people can go and read again. I'm trying to fit kind of the Aaron Rodgers stuff onto Russell Wilson, which is wonderful in theory of what they built over the last years in, in Green Bay. But when you watch Russell Wilson, it is only going to be one way. And I do mm-hmm. feel like they've kind of thrown names at the roster now that they got Russell. They like those receivers, which I like those big-bodied receivers too. And I like that they're going to probably play them inside instead of outside because that's how they, how Hackett does things, move the big guy inside, move the small guy outside. I think that, that's a fun little inversion. But defensively, it's like, okay, we weren't as good as we wanted last year. So they start going, let's go get Von back. Okay, who else can we get? I don't hate the Gregory move. I, I think that's a, it's like, what else are you going to do? You're in that division. You need juice up front. You may as well say bleep it. Let's go throw money. And if he smoked his way out of the league, he smoked his way out of the league. Well, it's not on <laughs> us. You know, it's like, what? Well, I don't know what he's supposed to do as a team. You know, you put the best support system in place and you throw the money at him and you, you kind of hope yeah. for the best on that one. Um, 
So I think that's a, that's a fair move, as you were saying. But I, I'm with you. I I think people have a strange perception, like they've been really good defensively still, because just the the idea of Vaughn and the idea of mm-hmm. Chubb and the fact that they've always been good defensively for like six seven years, which is so unusual in the league to maintain that level of efficiency on on the defensive side of the ball. I think people think, oh, you plug Russell Wilson on offense, fix the offense. They got a good defense. Like, no, that defense has been bad for two seasons in a row <laughs> with Fangio <laughs> yeah. running the system that everyone in the league is trying to steal and having Von Miller. Uh, I know it was suspended for some of that. So I, I, to me, I feel like they're a year away. And then you get into that timeline argument, right? Of when is the Wilson drop? Because if the legs go, it's a real mess, right? So it's, yeah. it's a, I, I'm still, I, I still think they'll be awesome in the first year because yeah. he's so good. Yeah. And if he's healthy, I think that they'll still be great and he'll run around and make play, plays and they'll beat the Chiefs in our head. You know, they'll do something that's kind yeah. of significant. But I, I'm with at the timeline of them. I just don't think. I don't think it matches up as neatly as kind of the perception has been over these first 48 hours. Yeah, it's um, it's it's very interesting to see a, a team that's uh, hiring, hiring a new head coach and immediately go all, go all in and everybody assumes it's going to work because <laughs> nobody knows if Manny if Huggett's been a good head coach. He's been a good, he was he, good in Green Bay with, with, with LaFleur and tried his best to get something out of Blake Bortles in Jacksonville and <laughs> almost never merited the results, but we don't know if he's going to even be any good at the job. So it's, there's a lot of unknowns that I think people are kind of ignoring for the time being, which is kind of how the off-season works. <laughs> if you ignore the actual facts of life and just look at all, look at all your flashy names, that's, but yeah, there's um, still a lot of doubt there for me. The thing, I mean, if they can get Lyle Collins, which I think they're in play for, then yeah. I'll, it will shift me quite significantly to, oh, they yeah. kind of know what they're doing now. So that's the one I, w- I would kind of keep an eye on. The thing with Hackett as well, which is puzzling is, so I wrote that piece, as I said, about how Wilson will fit in kind of Hackettism. So I'm looking everywhere going, what exactly does Nathaniel Hackett do? I'm going through, does he call third downs? What does he do? And it, it kind of makes it better for me and worse that the, the insinuation from Green Bay, who never talks, is basically that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, you know, big brains, you know, Ivy League type mindset. They get into a room and they start thinking up things and they discuss the Dalai Lama and, you know, philosophy. And then Nathaniel <laughs> Ackett looks at them and goes, and how do we install that? You know, and what are we running on second down? And are you figure out the specifics, Nathaniel? You know, we're just talking yeah. about the, the metamorphosis of the universe over here. So if he is the guy who kind of implemented the specifics of the footwork, the timing, mm-hmm. and the other lads were the philosophical guys, that encourages me a little bit. If it's frankly bullshit and they're trying to burden a reputation of a friend and Matt LaFleur both yeah. designed the offense and Rogers and him came up with the timing, I, I would be a bit antsy. And his press conferences, I know everyone loves him. He's got that Steve Barmer energy. Yeah. yeah. I was a bit like, I don't think this guy and Russell Wilson are going to mesh. I don't know. That that does not feel like Russell Wilson energy to me. <laughs> He's very much, he's this year's Zach Taylor. I think he's like, what is it exactly you do here? And we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> wait for a couple of years. We'll wait for a couple of years and maybe it might work out like it was Zach this year, although you can question how much of that was Zach Taylor. But it's, it's, uh, yeah, I think that, that's the, the parallel I would draw. We have to wait, really have to wait and see on this guy. And let's talk about the Patriots then, because I am confused by what oh, Bill God. Belichick is doing, not for the first time. And as ever, you me you everyone defaults to well he's bill belichick he probably knows more than us but i think you can criticize individual moves and say maybe he has an idea of the bigger jigsaw piece that we don't there's no way of dressing up the trading away Shaq mason for a fifth round pick it's just not value right he's one of the three best guards in the league throw him nelson martin up in any order they'll fall down the other two probably better in pass bro mason's comfortably Mm. the best run blocker in the league it's like so we can all agree 
that no matter what he thinks he's going to do to move the team forward, that is bad value, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It, ma- it makes no sense to me. Well, I was I was looking at the, the Spur track page before, before I logged on and stuff to see what, if they'd done anything. And besides signing Terence Mitchell, not, not not really anything. You 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 lose the best football block in the league when you an offense that is built predominantly around the run and kind of minimizing Matt Jones, and then you let JC Jackson walk when you're in a conference where everybody is loading up on quarterbacks and wide receivers. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fit to me. And it's another page just rarely do anything. There's, there's that joke that Bill Belichick sends free agency on a yacht, just just <laughs> sitting there while the rest of the league burns. But he, he needs to do something. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the J.C. Jackson one, I got because that was the sense all through the year, right, is that they were so far apart in the numbers. So I, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was the understanding that that was going to happen. But then when the numbers came out, I was a bit like, hmm, that's a strange walkaway number for them because the leaks and the agent talk was he's going to go for the Ramsey figure. And it's just not close to the Ramsey figure. Now, is he a $60 million a year corner? I don't believe so necessarily. No. But for the Patriots, I think that might have been worth it. I, I'm looking yeah. at their, their depth chart now, and they have, as you mentioned, Terrence Mitchell, who's not good. I don't know what that was about. He's just not a good player. I'm sorry. Jalen Mills, who's iffy, right? He's up and down, who they gave yeah. too much money to. And then there's no one else in the cornerback room who's played more than 300 snaps. They got Juwan Williams, who is frankly terrible, um, who they know is terrible, too much dead cap to cut. Uh, so it's like, I, I just do not understand... They'll get Jonathan Jones back next season. But as you said, they yes, they set out the first round of free agency. I get that. But it's just not coming together for me for what the grand plan is to remove your best offensive lineman, to let your best cornerback walk away. And you've got all these cool safeties. And I get that. At some point, someone's got to play corner. And I just can't imagine, you know, Belgium does not have the greatest track record of going into the no. first round of the draft and saying, get me a cornerback. Yeah. That's just not his bag. No, and it's a it's a it's a good cornerback draft, but we know how difficult it is to play that position, particularly in in your first year. So it's if that if that's the, what they're telegraphing, then it's a it's a hell of a risk, um, particularly when we saw at the end of last season, just obviously they won that ridiculous game in the wind in Buffalo, but the last two games against the Bills, we saw how far away they were from the Bills, and the, if anything, the Bills have got vastly better over the past few days, and it's tough to know where the Patriots how they haven't got worse. The one thing I'm hanging on to with them defensively is they make that trade where they trade Chase Winovich and they get Mac Wilson back. And that is fascinating for a number of reasons because they're also Dante Hightower still hanging out there. They've moved off Van Noy and they're really changing that middle linebacker room in a quite significant way. So last year, the whole league is moving to the odd front, right? Everyone's playing with three guys inside or your bare front with five uh, down linemen, two safeties to vacate the box. That's kind of the the trend in the league. The the way most teams are doing it in the modern game is playing with what's known as a four-eye or a heavy five, depending on your vernacular, where you play on the inside shoulder of the guard, and you basically try to collapse both the A gap and B gap bubbles is you just punch that thing in the middle. You make the ball roll off the table and you all rally to the perimeter and try and wrap the thing up. The Patriots said, we're going to play like it's the 1970s and we're going to play with an old school Oki front and we're going to split the two defensive tackles. They'll play on the outside shoulder of the guards and we're going to have these 300 pound linebacker type fellas going to fly downhill early in the rep and just smash both guards, you call it uncapping the guards and you just run straight through those guys' chest. And that's why you get Dante Hightower flying downhill as this bulldozer and just wrecking pulling guards. And it was really fun to watch last year. Juwan Bentley, right? Downhill, 240 pounds, crash right through the, the uncapped guard. They bring in Mac Wilson, who's like, well, 170 pounds soaking wet. It's basically a safety playing at linebacker. 
they've let those guys go. Maybe they bring Hightower back on some kind of loan the system deal. So to me, I think that they're trying to completely overhaul the defensive structure to be a bit more modern in that similar Belichick style. And it's this classic thing of him trying to either keep or advance beyond the league. I think maybe the game plan is, one, they couldn't cover anyone with linebackers last year, so Matt Wilson's better in coverage. They changed the shape of the defensive front. And then I don't know what they do in the secondary because last season they became really zone-centric, which is unusual for them. They became very disguise-based. So maybe the idea is we'll just lean even more into that because JC's better in man coverage. And we'll, as we mentioned before with Devontae Adams, recreate it in the aggregate where it's all winks and nods and we can just find undrafted guys to sit in a zone. That ain't that difficult. And if we can just find smart players to pass things off, then maybe we can hope for the best. But I don't know, man. Going to battle with Josh Allen and that Bill's offense with that group right now is not good. That's the only way I can put it. Yeah. I don't care what genius he's got with rechanging the shape of his defensive front. Those guys are better than you right now. You've got to go and find some playmakers. I just don't think they have enough defensive playmakers right now. Yeah, and uh, the thing with Josh Allen is eventually he's going to find those holes. And if they're going to play over those, he's going to find the holes. He had the one game in 2020 against the Titans where he really struggled, but then you saw other games that same season. There was a... The nice game Monday Night Football where it absolutely dice them up, and that's what he's done for the most part. He's, he's, he's found the holes and dice teams up. So it's a if that's the if that's the game plan, it's 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 a rather large risk. I was looking through the the depth chart as I said before we started, and I'm looking at who is a foundational piece who I think will still be here in three years on defense. And I could only come up with Barmore, who I think is an yeah. absolute beast. And if you move him inside closer, because he's just a get off and go wrecker. That's pretty fun. I like Godcho. I don't know if he'd be in three years, but I think that the plan is to have him plan it in the middle. Wilson, they traded for. Maybe he'll be here. Duggar's mm-hmm. brilliant. And Adrian Phillips is their most important defensive player. Now, will he be here in three years? I'm not sure. But those are the only pieces I look at. And the thing that immediately jumps out to me when I see those names, as much as I like Duggar and Phillips, is they do not have enough athletes. That is not an athletic defense. When you're five best players, only two of them, you would say, are really supreme athletes. And Wilson, you don't think, can take on the run. It's a problem. That Bills team is loaded. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's just... the You saw that again with the Bills. They, they, they took a bet on a tight end who was an amazing athlete. Like he hasn't, he hasn't been very very good for the Buccaneers, but there's no doubt he's not an athlete. And that's what you're seeing throughout the league is teams are making bets on, a, on these fantastic athletes. And they're, they're all becoming more scary, particularly on the, off, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, there's, there's a distinct lack of pieces there. I, I kind of like Josh Uche, the pass rusher. He's, he's, he can, when he gets going, he, he can convert speed to power. He's, he's a good pass rusher. But yeah, there's, this is not what they're do if I was lining up first any other AFC contender would be say, okay, we we've got a lot of problems here. There's not a lot to scare me on that defense. Uche is a great shout because I think part of the shifting style of the scheme defensively is to get them a free man on the end. Because they obviously mm. had Judon play some of that last year where he was kind of the free guy to to just crash the backfield on every play rather than sit and stack the way they were doing with that system I described before. I think if they move to kind of pins to the inside, it would be to have both guys be free on the end because they just don't trust Uche, it seems like. That's the thing is like mm. he flashes athletically, like you mentioned, and, and for some reason they just don't give him enough, enough reps. The last thing for me with them is just, it, it's like, we, I was talking to Matt Sherry um, about this yesterday. It's like, it does feel like Belgic's hitting a point of he only trusts certain guys now. And he's reached that yeah. kind of late stage George Allen phase of his career. It's like, get me 10 year veterans who know things and I can have professional yeah. conversations with. 
and I'm looking through one of the key principles of frenzy is you just have to land on every single need, whether you think the player is a, a B plus player or not, or an A player is at least get a C player you think knows your scheme mm. and will be a yeah. decent ish piece. So when you go into the draft, you on there's no, not a hint of desperation where you have to mm. rely on a rookie who might just be terrible the first year. And you're looking at the pages and you can just pick apart four or five pieces where you're saying, nothing there nothing there nothing there now i know there's still days to go fragency but i mean they are right now going in with a stench of desperation on the offensive line in the defensive backfield and that's just not a good place to be heading into the draft yeah and beyond that it's it's still not a great uh skill position group to be honest um oh no kendrick Bourne did kendrick Bourne things last year was a his has long been a uh, underrated receiver and showed showed that he can make a lot of plays. But beyond beyond him and maybe Hunter Henry as Hunter Henry as a red zone threat, there's still not a lot there in, in the uh, to scale on this on the skill position um, side of things. Nelson Nelson Aguilar was exactly what everybody expected. He, he flamed out pretty quickly, and they've got Jacoby Myers, who finally got in the end zone for the first time in a generation. But there is, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty bare cupboard there as well. So I'm not I'm not really sure. There's it's like you said, there's there's too many directions in which you could go in the draft. Yeah, it's an excellent point because receive was the one you're looking at, right? They need an outside burner who can beat man coverage. They just do not beat man coverage. It's a margin of error play for them. Is uh, that Indianapolis game last year was terrifying if you're a Patriots fan because no one got uncovered the entire game. That was not a great secondary. And Mac Jones played really well and Kendrick Bourne was out of his mind, but he's doing it with guys draped all over him and Mac Jones ripping 15-yard hole shots down the field. And it's like, that's great. It's very exciting. You know, a rookie making great plays, good connection with the receiver. The margin of error is too difficult. Go and watch yeah. the Bills and Josh Allen is throwing to wide open guys all over the field. Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. It's really fun. Right. It's just a margin of error play. And they just don't have an outside guy who creates so much fear in the secondary that you back the coverage up or you have mm. to roll the coverage or double or everyone just shits the bed when he, you know, rips on the outside. They don't have that guy. And for some reason, they thought Aguilar would be it. I don't know why. That's a complete whiff, like you mentioned. And I thought going into the offseason, that's the only thing they got to worry about. Go and get an outside burner who maybe only catches 30 balls a year, but he's so fast that he just terrifies everyone. And now, as you said, they got to plug like five other holes before they even start to worry about the fact that they're going to need to find someone to play that position. Yeah, it's that's the point. It's not consistent as, as accurate as Mac Jones is. It's not you can't rely on that every single week. <laughs> Eventually, Chicken's going to come home to roost, and he's going to he's going to throw interceptions. He's, he's not going to, be able to fit that ball in there, and that's when things start to fall apart. Conversely, we've got the Bills, who have just crushed free agency who I have to imagine uh, that would be, I think the worst building to go into every day at the moment, because the frustration knowing that they should have won the AFC last year as the most talented team. They were the best team. 12 seconds of chaos and magic cost them maybe a Super Bowl title. I mean, I think they would have won the AFC quite comfortably. And then who knows in the Super Bowl. And so they just say, bleep it. Let's go get Von Miller six year deal. That's really a three year deal. Let's go get Roger Saffold. I love the Daquan Jones deal. That's, that's a brilliant deal. And there's a team where they've, they've, as we were just saying is every kind of concern, which there was minimal anyway, they've already ticked off going into the draft so they can build strength on strength. And they already have built strength on strength in free agency. I mean, they, they had decent edge rushes. They got the young, you know, they've drafted like 20,000 over the last three years. And they said, ah, fuck it. Don't want to wait for those guys to develop. Let's go get Von Miller. I love it. Yeah. 
that's yeah, completely complete agreement. Yeah, the the, the Miller deal was he was a lot better than, than people thought last year, uh, particularly down the stretch. Five sacks, I think it was five sacks, final four games, sack in his first two playoff games, two in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's still, <laughs> yeah, win, still, yeah, <laughs> still winning. He's still winning a lot of his rushes, and now he gets to work. Gregory Rousseau, he can he can pass his many years of wisdom on to an athletic freak. Um, he can drop Boogie Basham inside and passing down, which is arguably where he was best at Wake Forest, let him, and we can get Adelbo on there as well. So it's, a, it's that defense is already scary. It's a, it's a good back seven. You'll get Trey White, Trey White back from injury. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a vastly improved team. And they were already probably, they were already a top five team in the league anyway. And then they, just thrown OJ Howard into mix on the other side of the ball, just, just for shits and giggles, just, just, yeah. just to see what happens. The Miller, that's a great point on Miller. I, I, there was a strange perception, I think, because he got traded that he must have been slipping. But it, there's just no empirical evidence. One, he's as quick as ever. You know, it's not like I know he got the PED pop, but he did not lose any speed once he came back from not being on PEDs. He had 82 total pressures last year, which is the best figure he's had since 2017. I mean, he's truly at the peak of his powers. And at this point, if you just wanted to roll him out for two downs, you know, for two downs, one down, cherry pick spots and say, hey, we're just going to coast you through the season until the playoffs for three seasons. You know, this is a three-year plan of winning as many Super Bowls as possible. You could do that because they have so much talent on the defensive line. I mean, it's not just about adding Von Miller because Von Miller's great. It's the the compound effect of, well, what does this do for Ed Oliver, who hasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily played his best football, but if he's one-on-one every single play now, alongside Von Miller where everyone is panicked about the first step speed of those two fellas, they will dominate. And then what happens on the other side when you slide protection their way, and and as you mentioned, Russo is now one-on-one, Basham can play inside and win with speed. It, it, It will have a remarkable effect on their defense. And the last thing is just... I keep saying this in frequency about teams changing the profile of, of their setups is the bills were so predictable last season. They tried to play with an even front four down linemen and they just got mauled in the run game. Adding Von Miller allows them to completely diversify their profile of how they attack people, both in the run game and in the pass game. And that was a big issue against the chiefs, right? Is they just, the chiefs knew exactly where the holes were to puncture against a really talented team. Now they can just be a bit more unpredictable, which has not really been McDermott's way. And I think that it's a good learning lesson of we like our profiler guys. We know we got a good team. Let's just go get someone we know is all time great. And it will naturally diversify us. It's the same thing with JC Jackson in LA, not a perfect scheme fit. That's kind of the point because then he naturally brings disguise to our setup. So I, I, that to me, I know people think six years, 33, whatever is overpay. I just think it's such a great deal for, for every single reason. Yeah, and it's it's it's, extreme, it's probably very unlikely that he's going to see all them six years anyway. So it's it's I think people get obviously every year in free people get lost in the contract lengths and the figures and everything. But for the, it's a very much a deal for the immediate future. And they've seen what what went wrong in that mental game again, and they've attacked it with something that's going to have an immediate impact and instantly make his team better than and should put them I mean they should have been in the Super Bowl last year should put them like, in that position to go to go there again um, they've arguably might have a need at cornerback and let Levi Wallace go but it's still it's still a good it's still a good secondary and it's a it's a good cornerback draft so yeah they're in a, in a very good position and it's funny on the six years as, as you said it's really three in the in the language but even if it was six yeah. it gives a shit you win a Super Bowl who cares you know yeah, like... that's it. yeah yeah 
you get a grace period. It's it's the, yeah. Bill, the the Bill Simmons five year grace period when you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean for the Bills it'd be fifty thousand years. Oh, I yeah, think, yeah, after all yeah, the pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. After you've lost four and then had arguably the worst playoff loss probably ever with the fourteen seconds, whatever it was. Yeah, when you win one, you, yeah, who cares? I love this too because when I was a younger lad, I loved the one team player particularly in English football. You know, I just obsessed over the one team player and I love the shirt number getting handed down from great player mm-hmm. to great player. As I get older, I now love the mercenary. I love a guy. I, I would just love Von Miller to have three suit balls, three different teams, three caps, three suit balls, walking into Canton. <laughs> I, it's like Jadevian Clowney. I admire a man who's like every year, one year deal, find me the best spot. I want to go win titles and get paid $50 million. Tennessee, Cleveland, Houston, I do not care. I don't know where Clown yeah. is going to be next year. Does anyone know? No one knows. No. It could be, he could just go to back to Houston just because they got great money. But I, I, I've become, this is how I would run the end of my career. I wouldn't even run the end of my career. I would go from 28 onwards if I was Von Miller and just say every year, get me to the Super Bowl spa and I'm going to try and win six titles in six cities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was gonna, I was trying to find a, like you say, a, a, a football comparison, but the only one I can land on was Ronaldinho, and he probably had different priorities towards the end of his career <laughs> than, uh, <laughs> than yeah. <Bob> Miller. <laughs> but yeah, Milan has great get... clubs. Get me to Milan. In English football, fascinating. In fact, it's a bit of a tangent, but the, the move of players to become free to realize that there's no need to sign a five-year contract. You're Kylian Mbappe. Be a free yeah, agent, yeah. sign two-year deals, and be a free agent again. Take all the way. Why are you allowing PSG to extract three hundred million pound of your own value? Go and get it in a signing on deal for fifty-five million quid or whatever he's going to get off Madrid. Yeah, That's, yeah. Um, and I would do that in that league, in that spot. Absolutely. I if I was a great player in in uh, European football, I would my whole goal would be win all the four major divisions as a free agent every year. I would just Mbappé myself from City <laughs> to PSG to Madrid and onwards. That would be fun. Um, my last thing on the Bills, I really like the Roger Saffold deal. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote about it earlier in the week until I discovered information I did not have that was he has some kind of nerve damage. Which yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I did not know that. That's on me. He had tingly fingers, he said, which terrifies me that a player says that mm-hmm. out loud. But him yeah. coming into that offense where he is just a complete killer. They got themselves a guy who's a heat-seeking missile. He just wants to smash people in the face. Tough mf Um, That's kind of what they've been missing in the run game is just a complete mm-hmm. road grader who wants to kill human beings, basically. And yeah. he's not the player he once was, and he struggles in pass protection these days. And that's not great in terms of their style of passing game because it's you know very slow developing. But just saying, look, we need to at least be able to have the threat of running the ball in third and medium, third and short. So let's go get this guy who can just clean people out. Yeah, and it, it goes back to what you're saying about diversification. It, apply, it applies on the offense as well. So if, if you're going to get a player that's going to make you more effective, running the ball, open up more holes for Devin Singletary, who I still like. It gives you the, the option potentially of mixing more Josh Allen runs. We know how devastating he can be on short yardage when he gets when he gets into the open field. So, yeah, it's another move that diversifies things, and he's just slot straight in, having lost John Feliciano as well. So it's, um, kind of, again, a, a low-risk move on a player who maybe passed his best, but one who can maybe hide and pass protection and one who can maybe open more things up for you to make your offense even more kind of devastating than it already is. All right, the last couple of things we got to get to. This is more more newsy than I guess, but this Baker Mayfield situation. I want to save this for for later in the show. I it's just I just want to 
throw my laptop in the ocean reading the this stuff because it's <laughs> so let me try and get the timeline out for the listeners accurately so Cleveland meets Deshaun Watson. They tell Deshaun Watson, we would like you to come play for us, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson says, no, thank you, Cleveland. I would not like to play for you. Baker Mayfield says, okay, I would now like to leave because you tried to replace me with Deshaun Watson. Um, did I miss anything? Oh, I missed the insulting report that they leaked. Uh, just bizarre. I'm not being... Look, you can make... in the room. Yeah. Yeah, you can make a case... If you spoke with someone like Big Mayville and said, look, as they said they did at the Combine, which is we will only look for an upgrade of a great player, which is a strange thing to tell an employee anyway. It's like, I'll only replace you with someone who's great. It's like, so I'm shite. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. It's yeah. a strange management move. So that is strange. But you can also say, you know, at least they told him that it was above board and all that jazz. But then to leak to Chris Mortensen. A, a real character slight, which is basically he makes funny commercials and he wears a backwards hat. Because that's the only thing about him that's ever been an issue yeah. like, since yeah. he was 18 and he had the issues in college. I mean, he's an 18-year-old drinking too much. There's been nothing in the NFL, nothing. And they're talking about that in relation to a guy with 23 civil suits against him or one giant civil suit with 23 accusers. And that guy's the adult in the room, but the guy who wears yeah. a backwards hat is not the adult in the room. I, I, really, I thought that was such an insulting report on a whole bunch of levels. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I... It just, regardless, it seems regardless of who is running that organization, there is an absolute fetish for dysfunction. Like, <laughs> they had one year of being capable, won a playoff game against a decent Steelers team, and won it, hand, won it handily, and thought, now, nah, we had enough of that. We want to go back <laughs> to the old days where we were an absolute tire fire. And <laughs> so now you, and I, I don't understand where they, how they can when, then decline in the trade request. So I was like, what's the point in that? Like, that yeah, <laughs> that's nonsense. Yeah, good. Like, Thanks for jogging, jogging my memory on that for the listeners. Yes, Baker publicly <laughs> asked for a trade. The Browns said, no, you're staying here. And that is completely untenable. I mean, what is going to happen when he walks in the building and meets Andrew Barry on the first day of training camp? It's like, that's so awkward. There's just no way that can be allowed to fester. And yeah. I- yeah, it's just, it's just this situation does not appear recoverable. I, I, I assume they're just waiting for something to happen on the Deshaun front, and then something will happen with him, and he'll probably end up getting traded somewhere. That's just that's a guess. But yeah, I, I don't see how that situation is recoverable. No, I, to me, it it would look like you're going to wind up with Garoppolo in Cleveland, mm-hmm. Mayfield yeah. in Indianapolis, Matt Ryan moving somewhere else with Deshaun probably going to Atlanta at this point. That that seems like how it will all kind of wriggle itself out. But it, it is it is perhaps the greatest own goal in the last couple of years because I think everyone can understand that Baker has real flaws. You know, he's not going to be a, a top 10 guy who's going to elevate your entire roster. As we've seen, though, you can win with him in the playoffs when he's healthy. I mean, to, to judge him on last year is a, is a bit silly. And um, there were some real mechanical issues that I just think are almost impossible to to change at this point he thinks he's one kind of thrower but he plays his best football when he's another kind of thrower is is the only way i can put it without showing people diagrams and what have you he he tries to throw the ball in a rotational manner as if he's josh allen he doesn't have the arm to do that so he has to be more of a a linear everything aligned properly thrower Um, and he's got worse and worse his career's gone along doing that stuff so there's real issues there and maybe you can get him somewhere else and he's, he's a new start type player but it, it doesn't, he's not bad enough to burn the house down. You know, it's, no, it, no. it can't possibly be that bad behind the scenes 
without us ever because Carson went so it was a drip feed all season long, right? Like uh, the, the coach don't like him, they can't take criticism, all this stuff. There's been nothing on Baker Mayfield outside of was he getting more commercials than his kind of play should get? Well, that's because he was the first overall pick in the draft and he signed with State Farm for X number of years when he was that player, right? And then the bit the uh, Odell dynamic, which you know it's been frosty everywhere of Odell. So yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, the commercials aren't even that bad. They're, they're all right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't scramble to mute them. It's, it's fine. Like, just, um, yeah. It's like, I, so I, what is it? So their, their, their grand plan on their whiteboard is, oh, well, then we'll go and get Jimmy Garoppolo and he'll do no yeah. commercials. It's like, okay. Yeah, and the, yeah, we'll go We'll go get one of the most handsome quarterbacks in the NFL, <laughs> which is an absolute like, marketing dream if he's in any way successful. Um yeah, I mean, I suppose if they want somebody who's let the the, the Aditi Kinkabala report was um, that he's very emotional and yada, 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 and they want somebody who's kind of more level-headed, which is Jimmy Garoppolo, who's put with a lot of a lot of BS recently, and he's kind of he's a very level-headed person who, for all the criticism and injuries, seems to just stay on the keel regardless. So if if that's what they're wanting, they want somebody who can just handle the mess that is Cleveland, which is going to be a difficult place to play, then he probably might be an upgrade in terms of kind of mentality sense, but I'm not sure how much an upgrade it is on the field unless they were just really spooked by the um, the Green Bay game on Christmas Day, which was he just actively lost in the game with a lot of the flaws that you mentioned. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's, that, that's the one where the mechanical stuff, right, was like, I don't know yeah. if this is ever recoverable because it's that was so it, yeah. bad. And or he missed basic throws because he couldn't get his feet lined up correctly. And it's like, well, yeah. I know he's injured in the upper body, but the, how are we ever supposed to fix this when the bullets go live and he looks like he's crapping himself in the pocket? It's like that. Yeah. So that, that is a good point. But I just, I, this is a smart front office, whatever way you slice it, you go through their roster and one of the finest ways to find out if a team is well run is obviously the win loss record over three, four years, larger sample size Two how many of their own players have they re-signed? So it was the bedrock of the team made by the front office and then winning games, basically, is, mm-hmm. this, is this yeah. simplest equation. The Jags, nine of their 10 highest paid players now are free agent signings. They don't know what they're doing, yeah. right? And their record is terrible. The Browns have won games under Andrew mm-hmm. Barry and all of their players are re-signed. It's all their own players. So what can possibly be the mini leap from a guy who is emotional in the film room to a robot? <laughs> <laughs> have to trade a draft pick. Do you know what I mean? For a team yeah, that's that yeah. analytically inclined, why would why is emotion coming into the Ivy League guys? I thought the whole point of them was there is no emotion. So you cannot possibly put a value of a second or third round pick on the quarterback doesn't get moody when we criticize him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it just it, it doesn't make a great deal of sense. And it 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 probably has been kind of telegraphed in the way that they were going to let him play on the option, which very rarely happens. That kind of tells you what they think of somebody if you're going to, if you're going to let your quarterback play on a 50-year option. So some kind of split probably was coming, but to have it happen in this kind of disorganised of a manner for a team that has, since they got Barry in the room, since they got Kevin Stefanski, has had a lot more kind of a veneer of professionalism than in the previous years. It's a very, very strange way to go about things. How do you see that little trio then shaking out? What's your kind of guess or where would you prefer them to go? The, the Ryan Garoppolo Mayfield, that three, because one of them's going to be the odd man out here. And one yeah. of them's going to end up in Houston and not want to be there. Matt Ryan, I don't know why I've got Matt Ryan first, but um, 
and maybe I just think justice for Matt Ryan he deserves he deserves there. Um, he, he he has to he has to go to Indianapolis. I think if that's going if Atlanta lands to Sean Watson, which I think people seem to think it's going that way in an yeah. incredible turn of events, to Sean Watson going to the team is probably the least prepared to contend. Um, <laughs> besides having Kyle Pitts, um, then Ryan probably needs to go to to Indianapolis. I'm not sure it works out with the picks because they don't have one this they have a first round pick this year, but. I'm sure they could figure it out. That seems like an ideal fit for me to get him, get him in that building. Um, God, man, if they, off... if, they, if they roll with another one-year player, 37, <laughs> 40 million, I mean, I yeah, I understand they wanted Wentz out because they wanted an adult in the room. It's a classic. Yeah. It's become a yeah. cliche of the off-season. Yeah. They were like, oh, we had Philip Rivers, great adult. Carson yeah. Wentz, not an adult. We want an adult again, but are they just going to keep streaming this year to year, yeah. giving away yeah. draft picks, thinking their core is better what than person? it is? I, 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 I don't know. I don't it's, know. A, it's another front office that everybody loves, and they love because they, they explain things really well. And they, <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the most part, they do make sound decisions, and yet, it's, yeah, they, they get yourself a quarterback, and they, they couldn't help the Philip Rivers thing, but if he was old, it was obvious he might retire. So, but... Yeah, for yeah, the front office is very, very smart. Just find a quarterback and stick with stick with him. It's uh... where would you want Mayfield to go? Because Mayfield and Indy, I I like. So I mean, I like any of those guys in Indy, frankly, because um, I do like Frank Reich. Where, where would Mayfield work for you, Indy or elsewhere? I've seen Seattle banded around, which I don't hate. Um, I Baker Mayfield has been described by a lot of people as Russell Wilson without the athleticism, which is kind of, <laughs> kind like of a bad player. There's kind, of, <laughs> kind of a fit there. But if we're talking mentality and him being fragile or emotional or whatever in inverted commas, what better head coach to go to than the man who loves his players more than anybody else on the planet in Pete Carroll? Who will just just build just build him up and tell him he's the greatest ever and choo choo and gum and scream and shout and Snuggles. get really get really yeah get really emotional with him and tell him it's okay and the coach player fit there that see that seems like a good fit to me. I, I think that's a great shout because I think Pete would love the emotion that he would yeah. get off on it. It wouldn't be like a, oh no please don't get upset in the film room. I think he'd be like see this yeah. is he cares more than everyone else. This is how it yeah. should be yeah. run. When he's he just worked with a robot for eight years, yeah. You know? So the guy when he's doing college, he's rah rah. That's who, that's who Pete Carroll is, and he, he seems to have boundless energy despite being eighty five years old or whatever it is. So it's uh, yeah, I like that. I guess the only the team lingering out there we should mention in that context then is the Panthers, where you go through their last year year and a little bit they've tried yeah. to trade for Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers, and they've yeah. whiffed on all of them. And, and for them to get rejected by Deshaun Watson at the final ahead of Atlanta and a Saints team in cap hell, mm-hmm. I mean, it is just a bit pathetic at this point. And now they're going to head into 2022 with Sam Darnold and nothing else. And everyone always says, oh, Phil Snow in the defense, they do really creative things, which is true. You know, they run all the simulated pressures and all the exciting stuff you want to see from the college game. But you only get a finite window with a defensive scheme and core of players. And it's probably two years at this point in the NFL, maybe yeah. three of you looking, you've got hall of famers at three levels. That That's basically mm-hmm. the, the window of a defense. So by the time they end up with a quarterback of no, then that group will be gone already. They've yeah. lost to Sam Reddick, right? So it's like already that yeah. group's been worked away and people will find new innovations on the defensive side of the ball. And people will know how to attack Phil Snow better. They might not even get Stefan Gilmore back this year, who they actually 
needed at the back end of last mm-hmm. season. So I, that is such a mess. And it, Matt Rule may as well just resign today. What was the point of walking into the season knowing you're getting fired when you once you missed yeah. on all those four big name QBs? You should say, all right, I'm going back to college. I don't want to do this yeah. anymore. You you said the exact thing that I, I wrote down earlier, which was just a mess. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's and it's it seems to be a product of kind of like being a clash. I mean, you've got this coach in Matt Rule who's a program builder. Like he built he built Temple up and he went to Baylor and built that program and did did fantastic things there. Mixed with okay, the, the GM Scott Fair, that's a whole different thing. Mixed with an owner in David Tepper who clearly just wants to come in and wants to make an immediate mark, but has no idea how to do it and just wants yeah, well, I want this quarterback, I want that quarterback, and but we're not an attractive proposition to get them, so we're just kind of stuck. And that kind of clash has just led to this this complete mess where, yeah, it, it, it doesn't look great at all from an on field standpoint. There's not enough talent there, and from an off field standpoint, it was a bit of a mess as well. And that tempestuous owner is going to want something, right? So now now yeah. you've got Atlanta rubbing their hands. You've got Cleveland rubbing their hands saying, can we get a first-round pick out of them lot for Baker Mayfield or Matt Ryan mm-hmm. at this stage? Yeah. And would you be surprised if we see the moment we finish this podcast, Deshaun Watson goes to Atlanta and Matt Ryan is going to Carolina for a first-round pick because Carolina shit yeah. the pants and they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah, and it all comes back to, to last year. There was, there was no reason not for them to take Justin Fields at nine overall, whatever it was. Then JC Horn, good player, liked him, seemed a bit seemed a reach at the time for the kind of physical press press corner. He played he played well, got injured, that's unfortunate, but it just didn't make it just didn't make any sense. Like this <laughs> getting picking this a talented press corner of a, a long-term quarterback you can build around when you're trying to build something just didn't never make any, any sense in the moment. And it's it's continuing to bite them because then you just left left chasing this fanciful idea of Aaron Rodgers or the Sean Watson or Russell Wilson or whoever else. And you don't have the kind of the setup there to be attractive to those players. It is such lazy team building to say, Oh, we'll just trade four first round picks for a, for a quarterback yeah. who wants to leave. It's, like, <laughs> uh, it's so bad. You could have had one for one first round pick last year. <laughs> so, and and I, I'm with you because I thought the same thing about Denver. I know it's a different situation now. They got Russell Wilson, different timeline and all that. But I love Patrick Sertan. I think he's really special. But you can take a great player, but take the wrong player, right? Mm-hmm. JC Hall might be an all-pro player. He's still got oodles of talent, but and he could be a really fine player and be the you've still selected the wrong one, even if mm-hmm. Justin Fields flames out. It's like it was way worth a punt taking Fields. And why couldn't you put Fields in a package for the show? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> At least, yeah, at least if you have the young quarterback and he doesn't play well his rookie year, and if you want a new one because you're desperate to contend, you can at least say this kid's still got potential and send him to another team with, and, and then use less picks to get the play in the first place. But And now they're really staring down a Matt Ryan deal or drafting Malik Willis and throwing him out mm-hmm. there week one, which would just be a disaster for everyone. I really yeah. like Malik Willis, but him going out there week one with that Panthers team is yeah. how you get out the league. <laughs> you get David Card out the league within five years if that happens, yeah. right? And he, yeah, he, yeah. Malik Willis seems to be a late, a late first round pick. You can sit and, and wait a little bit. Maybe you throw him in a few packages like the Niners to be Lance until they got mm-hmm. bored uh, last year. But and just watch him develop and just have be with a coach who can make, who can make the most of our athleticism. And I haven't seen anything to suggest that Matt Rule and and Ben McAdoo were the team and the, the uh, coaches to get <laughs> I the forgot most about out of McAdoo. Willis. I forgot well, about the, the McAdoo of it all. It's the same thing. It's like uh. they they had Brady and then said they they, had, they wanted a, a rock star offensive coordinator. It was like you just fired him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you had one. Uh, <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. 
And in a division that, you know, for a week there, they probably look around and go, we might get to Sean Watson. There's no Tom Brady or Sean Payton. There was a week there where David Tepp was very excited about his team. Now he's probably considered selling because he's a really impatient man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this podcast. This has been fun. Nicholas McGee, Stats Perform. People can go and find you. Uh, I'll just give out the Twitter handle. They can find all your stuff from there. Nicholas McGee, 24. Thank you for doing this. No problem. Uh, happy to do it. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.